If you are visiting with us, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Welcome over in the venue and all of the, those of you that are watching online and all that. Today we, uh, uh, we start a, a two-week, maybe three, maybe four, a little mini-series called Understanding the Will of God. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, so be careful how you live. Yeah, that's pretty good right there, isn't it? <laughs> Probably be a good thing if everybody who named the name of Christ just wrote those few words on a, on a three by five card and maybe stuck them, you know, uh, on our desk at work. Maybe put it up on our mirror, you know, in our bathrooms as we're shaving or putting on our makeup. Maybe put one in our car, you know, where we could see it. Probably make a difference, wouldn't it? If we were just careful how we lived. Don't live like fools, God's word says, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do not act thoughtlessly. Don't disengage your brain. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. One version says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Beloved, without a, uh, without a doubt, one of the questions that I'm most often asked is, is this. Pastor Rick, how can I know what God's will is for my life? I'm probably asked that question more than any other question, which I'm thankful for. Because that's a super important question, isn't it? It's a question all of us need to wrestle around with, and we need to wrestle around with it probably each day. God, what's your will for my life today? I want to be careful how I live. I don't want to disengage my mind. Lord, I want to know, what is, what is your will for me today? And, and, and here's the deal. The good news is, is that God wants you to know what his will is. He wants you to understand what his will is for your life. In fact, he made it, he made it pretty easy for, for you to know. God's will, you know, isn't hidden in a cave or under a bush. God created you. He made you. He, he knows how you operate. He knows how your mind works. And he wants you to know what his will is. It's, a, it's really a, a simple thing to figure out, and over the next few weeks, Lord willing, we're, we're, we're going to look at those things. God wants you to know what his will is. The problem is, is that we have our flesh, and our flesh doesn't want anything to do with God or with God's will. We've we got the enemy or, or the demons, you know, Satan. We've we got all these influences that kind of make it difficult at times. But God's will, knowing God's will, is, is, is really kind of easy. And I think over the next few weeks, you're all going to go, wow, that's, that, that, that is pretty easy. That's pretty clean. Now let me tell you why this is so important, why it's so important for us to know what God's will is. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 14, and I mention this all the time. The Bible says there's a path before each person 
There's a, a will, if you will. That seems right. But in the end, you know, it's just horrible. It just ends in death. Beloved, there are ways that seem right. There are ways that seem logical. There are ways that may even seem like they must be God's will, right? For our lives, for my family, for my business. That they seem right. They, they, they pass the smell test, right? They just seem right. But the reality is they're, they're, they're wrong. They're, they're horrible. In some cases, they're just evil. So we need to be very, very careful how we live. We need to be really careful. The Bible says this in Psalms 119, keep me from deceitful ways. You see, God's telling us that there are deceitful ways that we can walk down. There are deceitful ways out there that all of us can find ourselves traveling down. And the reason why we're traveling down them is maybe because we, we think they're right. We, 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 we think they're, they're God's will. There are a lot of crummy ways out there, paths out there. So we really need to be careful how we live. A lot of those ways are, 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 are really camouflaged by our enemy to look like they could be God's will. You see, the, the world has a plan for your life, the devil has a plan for your life, your friends have a plan for your life, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, they've got a plan for your life. You even have a plan for your life. And with all these voices out there, you can easily miss God's plan for your life or God's will for your life. So we need to be very careful how we live, really careful how we live. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, even Satan changes himself to look like an angel of light. So it does not surprise us if Satan's servants also make themselves look like servants who work for what is right. That's an interesting piece of data, isn't it? God just gave us something really weighty there. Satan can make things look really good. Satan can make things seem like they're right. He, he can make paths that are wrong look pretty inviting. But they're really wrong, which is why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, be careful how you live. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't disengage your minds. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. So here, here's what I'm going to do. I want to give you four things that you need to be careful of when you're wanting to know what God's will is for your life. Okay? Th th these would be uh, what I'm calling unreliable sources of knowing what God's will is for your life. Okay? So here we go. Number one, your feelings are not a source, a reliable source of knowing God's will. I want, the, want that to just kind of you know, sink in for a moment. 
Your feelings are not a reliable source of knowing God's will. Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He didn't say trust in your feelings. He said trust in the Lord. Do not depend upon your own understanding. Don't depend upon your feelings. Well, well, I don't feel good about this, or, or I do feel good about this. Forget about all that. Don't lean on that kind of stuff. Seek his will in all that you do, and he'll show you the right path to take. He'll let you know what his will is. He'll let you know what is truly right. He's the one who does that. Beloved, God wouldn't tell you to seek his will if it were impossible to find it. I guarantee that if you seek his will, and it does take some effort. It takes some effort to seek God's will. The reason why too many believers today in America let feelings kind of be their guide is, that's just easier. Man, it's hard work getting into this thing, isn't it? Woo! Hard work to study the word. Hard work to get into this thing. It's just easier to go, well, I'm just going to let my feelings just kind of guide me. So we got a bunch of believers running around today that are operating off of their feelings. Well, it just felt good, you know. Felt right. It takes some effort to seek out God's will. As I said, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some fun looking exactly what the scriptures say God's will, will is. But your feelings aren't a reliable source of knowing or discovering what God's will is. The, the great prophet Jeremiah said this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and it's desperately wicked. You know, who really knows just how bad it is? Well, the only one who knows how bad it is, is, is God. He knows how goofed up our hearts are. Beloved, I, whenever I hear somebody say, you know, I'm following my heart, I, I cringe. I just... I just cringe. It's a statement that no believer ought to ever make. But too many believers do. You don't follow your heart. God's telling us something about our hearts. They're just goofed up. They're messed up. Last thing you want to do is let your, your heart or your feelings be the litmus test for, for God's will in your life. The will of God isn't some sort of gut feeling. And I just, I just sensed it down in my, my gut kind of a thing, and so I did it. Or I sensed it down in my gut, and so I didn't do it. I remember a few years back, a guy was telling me that he was going to marry this gal that he had basically met. He met her like just a few weeks beforehand. And I asked him if he really believed it was the Lord's will that he marry this gal. I mean, he hardly knew her, right? And he answered, yes, Pastor, absolutely it's God's will. And I said to him, well, well how do you know it's God's will? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, I just feel it way down in my gut that she's the one for me. They're divorced now. 
Now, I have no, I, you know, no doubt that this man felt something. I'm sure the gal felt something. The first time, you know, I went out and had coffee with Aaron, I felt something. They both had goosebumps, you know, but those goosebumps weren't a sign that it was his will, that it was God's will that they get married. Does that, does that make some sense? I had a lot of people come to me for counseling over the years, and they've said things like this. Pastor, I know that the Bible you know, says I'm not supposed to divorce my spouse, but, but I've got peace about it, so it must be right. And I've said, but, but it couldn't be right. The Bible is crystal clear that divorce is not an option in this case, which means that source of peace you're feeling isn't from the Lord. It may seem right to you, but it's very, very wrong. See, they were allowing their feelings to dictate what was right, what was wrong, what was God's will or what wasn't. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here from the book of Jonah. In Jonah chapter one, it says this, okay, and, and let's just see, if you've got a half a cell working in here, even if you're not a believer, you, see if you can figure out what God's will is here, okay? The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Pretty clear? You're going to find that the Lord's will is crystal clear these next few weeks. We're going to, I mean, literally says this is God's will. God's pretty clear here. Here, here's my will for you, Jonah. But then, then it says, but Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction. Okay? So here we have Jonah totally out of the will of God. Totally. Jonah goes to a, to a port, and he gets on a ship, and he sails away in the opposite direction of what God, you know, you know where God wants him to go. And this is what it says in, in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break apart the ship, you know. Fearing for their lives, the, the desperate sailors shouted to their God for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sleeping like a baby. Down below, he had peace. <laughs> hey? He's sleeping like a baby, man. He's totally out of the will of God, man, and got all kinds of peace. He's sleeping great. I don't care how good you sleep. I don't care how much peace you have. Your feelings are not a reliable source to know, to understand God's will. God's will isn't a feeling. God's will isn't some sort of sensation or impression. God's will isn't a goosebump that you get or whatever. Beloved's feelings can come and go. They come from all different kinds of sources. They're often based on fatigue or, or illness or stress or a TV show you watched last night or, or a book maybe you read last night or, I don't know, the bad linguine you ate last night. 
Christians, we, we got to really start, we, we got to start thinking here, man. The American church is in some trouble. Part of it is we're, we're allowing our, our feelings to be the things that kind of guide us. Remember, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and it's desperately wicked. Now, I'm thankful for my emotions. God, God gave me my emotions, but, but you can't rely on them as a source of, of knowing God's will. Beloved, the only 100% reliable source of knowing what God's will is for your life aren't your emotions, it's the word of God. This is the only 100% reliable source of knowing what God's will is for your life. Jesus said this in John chapter eight. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth. It's the truth that sets you free. Your emotions don't set you free. It's the truth, Christian. This is what sets you free. He didn't say a truth will set you free or any truth will set you free or hey, make up a truth and it'll set you free. He didn't say that. He said the truth. This is what will set you free. Beloved, the more you know and understand the truth, the less likely you are to believe one of Satan's lies or the less likely you are to be fooled by some goose bump or some feeling you had. That's why it's important that you know the truth, and we're gonna talk about that, obviously, a little bit later on and in the weeks to come. N number two. The advice you receive is not a reliable source of knowing God's will. Take us back to Proverbs chapter three. God says to us, trust in the Lord. Not your emotions or the advice you may get from somebody. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Don't depend upon your feelings. And don't depend upon the advice that you may receive from somebody or the counsel you may receive from somebody. You seek him. You seek him in all that you do. And he'll show you which path to go down. He'll do it. Beloved, the reason I need to talk about this is because there's a lot of bad advice floating around out there, right? There's a lot of really bad advice floating around out there. In fact, there's a lot of bad advice coming from pulpits in America today. Books, magazines, TV shows, blogs. If you want to, you know, listen to some bad advice, just go read Cobb's Cosmopolitan Magazine. That thing's full of bad advice. One of the things that you, you can't help when you go to a grocery store is they put all those magazines kind of right there by the deal. And you can just, just, as you're buying your groceries, just look at some of the idiotic, evil, wicked headlines. Christian, 
You know, never buy a book like that. The one magazine that I go, you know what, at least these people are just being honest about what they're about is self. At least they're being honest. Just about you. Oh, you want some bad advice? Watch The View. (laughs) Man, you just sit back and go, man, evil has a platform, man. Wickedness has a platform. Unrighteousness has got a platform like that. I hope, Christian, you think about it that way. You should. I read an article the other day. The headline was, Why Everyone Needs to Have an Affair. That was the advice. And of course, when I read the article, it was all about how it'll spice up your sex life. They didn't talk about the carnage of the family. They didn't talk about the pain and the sorrow that comes to the children. We'll talk about that. Spice up your sex life. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, the, you know, the culture we live in. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Crazy. Remember the story of Job? In Job chapter 1, you know, Job gets, you know, he, he really kind of goes through the ringer. God allowed Satan to really cause Job a lot of pain and a lot of heartache and stuff. And in Job chapter 2, uh, Job's wife gave him some really good advice. Listen to this. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Are you still trying to, you know, worship the Lord and all that? Curse God and die. And the good news is, is that Job was going to be very careful how he lived. He engaged his brain and he said, you talk like a foolish woman. Hmm. Psalms chapter 1 says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. And what's really sad is that there are a lot of Christians out there that are listening to bad advice or ungodly advice, and then they actually go out and they follow it, or they live it out, thinking that it's maybe God's will for their life, you see. Because my two girlfriends told me it, or my buddies told me it. If you have a friend who makes this statement, and I've said this before, I'll support you in whatever you do. You got an idiot for a friend. (laughs) One of the things I do here, why mince words? The last thing you need is a friend who will support you in whatever you're going to do. Sounds kind of good. It seems right, doesn't it? It kind of seems logical. 
Oh, you're going to go rob a bank? Oh, I'm with you. I'll be praying for you. Because I support you in whatever you do. See? See how dumb that statement is? A good friend isn't going to support you in whatever you do. See, a friend like that is going to give you some bad advice, probably. See? I need people in my life who care about me enough who will go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's, let's search the scriptures here. Before I give you some advice that may seem okay, may seem logical, but really isn't. Now, obviously, the, the Bible has a lot to say about getting advice or counsel, a lot. God wants you and I to get counsel. We just need to make sure it's the right kind of counsel, right? It needs to be biblical counsel. Proverbs chapter 20 says, plans succeed through good counsel. Through good counsel. Hopefully you've got friends around you who know the word of God. Can tell you what God's word says about family or marriage or how to run a business or whatever all those things might, might be that you may not know of. Psalms 33 says, The counsel of the Lord, now it's going to stand forever. Okay. Psalms chapter 73 says, You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious Destiny. Beloved, the Bible is the only 100% reliable source of knowing what God's will is for your life, not your feelings or the advice or the counsel that, that you get. I'm not saying that you can't get good biblical counsel, but not all of it is. See? Num number three, the, the, the culture is not a reliable source of knowing what God's will is. Once again, we'll just let... Psalms or Proverbs chapter three kind of help us out here. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not your feelings or the advice of, of others or the culture you're living. Don't depend upon your you know, own understanding. Don't depend upon your feelings or the counsel or the wisdom you get from others or the culture around you. Seek his will in all you do and he'll show you which path to take. You see, beloved, a lot of times the, the culture is wrong, right? In other words, just because everybody's doing something doesn't mean it's God's will for you. Just because everybody thinks a certain way doesn't mean it's God's will for you. Just because a law is passed saying that something is legal or whatever doesn't mean that it's God's will, you see. In other words, you can't base what God's will is on the fact that everybody's doing something or everybody's believing something or because some law was passed or whatever because everybody might be doing the wrong thing. The law that was passed may, may not be a good thing or a biblical thing. It wouldn't matter to me if all 300 million people in the United States of America thought that abortion was okay, that killing babies was okay. It wouldn't make it right. It's not God's will that we kill babies. It is not God's will. And it doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. It doesn't matter what my neighbors think. The whole country could be for it. But it's not God's will that we kill babies. In my humble opinion, a, a mother's womb ought to be the safest place on the planet. Unfortunately, in America, it's one of the most 
dangerous places to be. We've all seen those signs. It's my body, it's my choice. It's my body, it's my choice. And that seems somewhat logical, doesn't it? It seems right. I mean, it's the gal's body. But once there's a human life inside, you don't get the choice to kill it. See? And I'm not trying to poke anybody's eye out. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty here. Just talking about some truth. The culture around us is often wrong. Obviously, if a mother's life is at stake, you know, she's pregnant and and you can only save one or the other, the woman's gonna die, then it doesn't make sense to let them both die, right? I, I get it, then you take the life of that child to save the mother. But the good news is that happens in so many few cases. Just, it's super rare. Think back to a time in our nation's history when as a culture we said that slavery was right Oops. Culture wasn't right, was it? Think back to a time in our nation's history when women didn't have the right to vote. Oops. Guess the culture wasn't right, was it? Every year, a number of magazines write articles on what's in and what's out so that you can know exactly if you're in style or out of fashion or whatever. Well, that's not how God wants his people to determine what's right or what his will is for their lives. God doesn't want us to simply follow all the things that the culture is doing. Romans chapter 12 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't do that. Well, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you, you think. The Phillips translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its world. Exodus chapter 23 makes it pretty clear. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Uh, those of us that are parents, we've all had that moment with our children, right? They came home and they did something stupid at school and you ask them, why'd you do it? Well, because Johnny and Jimmy were doing it. And you said, well, if everybody jumped off the bridge, would you do it? See? Christian, just because everybody else is doing something, that mean you ought to do it. The culture around you is not 100% uh, reliable. Only the, only the scriptures are. This is the only thing that's 100% reliable. Now, now, number four is a little different, okay? It, it, it relates to God's will, but, but it's different than the first three, and I almost left it out, but here it is. Number, number four. Your circumstances are not a reliable source of knowing God's will. Um, I'm amazed at how many Christians allow their circumstances to determine God's will for their life. You know, I woke up late, so it must not be God's will that I go to church today. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, the offering plate missed my row, so it must not be God's will that I give today, right? <laughs> Maybe a little bit more serious is, it's God's will that I got cancer. In other words, we, we take whatever happens in our lives and we say, well, this must be God's you know, will, which isn't always true. You see, there's a difference between God's permissive will and God's perfect will. In other words, God allows the natural consequences of life to play themselves out. This is God's permissive will. And I've shared with you this illustration before. Uh, I open my cabinet, I grab you know, some cookies or chips, the box fell on the ground, I reached down to get the box, forgot that the cabinet was open, and boom! We all want a God that would shut the door, right? That's the kind of God we all wish we had. You know, ah, look at that dummy left the door open, I'll shut it for him. But God doesn't do that. God allows the natural consequences to play itself out. If I reach down and I forget, boom, I got a headache for a week, you see. As an example, it wasn't God's perfect will that Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. He allowed it to happen, but it wasn't his perfect will. It was his permissive will, you see. It wasn't God's perfect will that King David have an affair with Bathsheba. He allowed it to happen, but it wasn't his perfect will. It was his permissive will. It wasn't God's perfect will that Peter deny the Lord three times. He allowed it to happen, but it wasn't his perfect will. It wasn't God's perfect will that my first wife would die in a car wreck 18 years ago. He allowed it to happen, but it wasn't his perfect will, it was his permissive will. Man, I, I wouldn't stand up here and, and be super pumped each weekend to tell you about the God of this book if he was the kind of God that just did things like that. He's not that kind of God. Just because something happens to you doesn't mean that it was God's perfect will in your life. One day, the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the reason we need to pray like this is because God's perfect will isn't always done down here on planet earth like it is in heaven. If God's perfect will were always done down here on planet earth, this place would be perfect, wouldn't it? It would be heaven. And we all know it's not. And the reason it's not is because God's perfect will is not always done down here. So does God know everything? I just want to make sure you understand this. Yes. Does, does God allow bad things to happen? Yes. Is, is God in complete control of everything? Yes, he is. Is God's perfect will done in every situation? No. 
Let me give you another example. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says this, the Lord is not slow in doing what he promised, the way some people understand slowness, but God is being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost. That's his will. But he wants everybody, wants all people to change their, their hearts and their lives. God's perfect will is that nobody would be lost, that all would come to Christ. So does everybody come to Christ? No. Because there's a difference between God's perfect will and his permissive will. Somebody wants to go to hell, God, God will allow that. If a person doesn't want to give their life to Christ, he'll, he just says, okay. You don't want to be with me? You don't have to be with me. We'll just make sure that that separation is permanent throughout all of eternity. See? Now, now, the good news for us is that God can take anything that happens to us, the things that God allows to happen in our lives, and he can use it for his glory. The Bible says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according uh, to his, his purpose. Does that include my mistakes? Yes. Does that include when I'm, when I'm the innocent victim of somebody else's bad decision? Yes. Does that include incidences that are beyond my control, like, like maybe your spouse walks out on you and, and you can't keep them there? Yes. Beloved, though God's perfect will is not always being done down here on planet Earth, God can use all the circumstances in your life for his glory. He can do that. Now, next week we're gonna kind of begin to look at what God's will is. We're gonna look at some very specific things. And uh, I'm just having a great time studying this and super pumped about you know, coming and, and, and sharing these things with you. But before I, I end, I do want to give you at least a, a couple of thoughts as it relates to God's will. Jeremiah 29 says this. It's a familiar passage. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Beloved God, has a plan for your life, he has a, a will for your life, and it's not to make you miserable or to make you into some sort of fanatic where everybody hates you and doesn't want to hang around you. I remember when, uh, before I gave my life to Christ, you know, I thought that if you became a Christian, I don't know, there was a room, and it wasn't called the altar room, maybe there was a room where everybody gave you one of those colored wigs, rainbow-colored wigs, and then they gave you a little sign that said John 3.16 and that everybody had to go to the end zone of football games or go to baseball games or hockey games and, you know, be that guy. That was my, my impression of Christianity. You had to be some sort of fanatic. Not saying that God doesn't call people to do that. Look, God's will for you was good. God's will for you is that you would have hope, not just hope here, but a, a hope that would go on throughout all of eternity. God's will for you is that you would have an unbelievable future. 
Romans chapter 12 basically says the same thing. Don't copy the, the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good. It's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's tailor-made just for you. Two things you need to consider when you're talking about God's will. Number one, if you wanna know God's will, you have to know God's word. This is the overarching theme for the next two weeks, really. If you wanna know what God's will is, the only 100, you know, percent reliable source is this. If you wanna know God's will, you have to know God's word, bottom line. Gotta know it. The Bible says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path, and that's Psalms 119, and I've had this thing burning up here all, all morning. I had it last night. Whenever we go to Israel, when Gordon and I lead trips, we always go to this place that they, they give you a replica of um, what they would have had back in biblical days. And this is it. Just so, you know, I wanna, I wanna make sure you all understand, there weren't street lights back in those days. There weren't Duracell batteries and lights. And so David, who wrote that, maybe he had something like this. So at night, inside of his home, he would walk around with one of these. You see, if he was out in the, um, on the plains or in the desert or up in the hills, and it was at night, he would have had one of these. And obviously, this only gives you a little bit of light, you see. You really have to be super careful because you only got so much light. And so when the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, I'm sure David was thinking about this. I'm sure he was thinking to himself, hey, look, here, here's the deal. This is the thing that guides my path. This is how I know what God's will is for my life, not my emotions, not the advice that I get, not my culture, not my circumstances. This is what guides my life. And God may not show me, you know, what his will is for my life, you know, five years down the road or 10 years down the road. He just kind of gives you enough light that you better just kind of take it a step at a time. And, and here's why he doesn't give you the whole pictures, because your brain would pop. If you knew what the whole thing was for your life. So he just gives you enough, just a little bit. So you can just kinda, kinda tell what it is. It's the word of God. King David's telling us something very important here. He's telling us that the, the more you read your Bible, study your Bible, meditate on your, you know, your Bible, the more he's gonna enlighten your path, the more you're gonna know his will. The Bible gives us direction through principles. The Bible gives us direction through promises he makes. The Bible gives us directions through the examples of people in the Bible. The Bible gives us direction through his commands, you see. Last night, I, we were praying, and Alan Boone grabbed me, and he said, you know, he had an uncle or a cousin or a buddy who always used to say this to him. If you want to hear... God's voice, then you gotta open up God's word. If you wanna hear God's audible voice, then read God's word out loud. 
<laughs> you know what? I need to add that little piece. I like that. See, anytime someone says to me or to you, I'm just not hearing God's voice, it's because they're not opening up God's word. Because every time you open up God's word and read it, you're hearing God's voice. Now, you may not like what you hear. I understand that. But this is how you know God's will. And we're going to talk way more about this uh, next week. And then, number two, the second overarching thing you need to kind of remember is this. is God's will never contradicts God's word. Okay? Never. And you need to keep those two things kind of in, in mind. The forefront of your mind as you're wanting to know, as you're seeking God's will for your life or for your family or for your business or whatever it might be, is that God's will is found in God's word and that God's will never contradicts God's word. And um, let me just say this. Next week, we're just going to have a great time looking at some very specific things. And there's no way I could go through all of them, but I'm going to go through a number of them. And you're going to walk out of here next week going, okay, this is God's will. Crystal clear. God wants you to know what it is, and so we're going to have a great time next week. Hey, over in the venue, why don't you stand? Everybody in here stand, and let me uh, end by just praying. Father, thank you, Lord, for... uh, Last night, for this morning, God, and just love singing songs and giving and fellowshipping and praying and getting into your word. And the church is just, just such a special thing when believers gather together to just worship you, God. Lord, I pray that as we uh, leave this place, I don't know, go home or go to a class or whatever it is we're going to do, Lord, that these little things would, would really stick with us. That we would be Christians who lived biblically. It's the only 100% you know, source of knowing what your will is for us. Lord, thanks for being such a great God. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you.